it's been a great month this month, hasn't it, through March. I, I, well, certainly has for me. I, I've, uh, there's been so many highlights, but um, just a couple I'd like to share with you before I get before we get into looking to uh, the sermon today. Who who was at Drummond Road two weeks ago in the evening for our gospel healing baptism service? Not so many of you. You put your hands down. You missed out. We had honestly, we had a fantastic. You can put your hands down now. If we knew you were there. We <laughs> we had a fantastic time. We baptised four people, and those four people really r- reflected the diversity that is City Hope. There was a, a young man from Romania. There was um, a mum from Burundi. There was uh, a local lady from, from here, from Bermondsey, and a, and a young man also born and bred in Bermondsey. All very different backgrounds, very different experiences. Some talked of... Uh, being brought up in a Catholic church, but the religion being really dead. Another talk of first encountering God when they were in prison, and just and, and just that that journey began there. So diverse, and yet we're all one family. Well, that it's great. You can be excited about that, by the way. <laughs> one new man in Christ. It doesn't matter what nationality you're from, what age you are, what your background or your experiences. When we find Jesus, we are we are family. And even on that, that evening, we saw the, the sick were healed that night as well. People encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. A fantastic time. Listen, when we do the next one, which is um, on Marathon Sunday, can I encourage you to get there for that one? Because there won't be a meeting in the morning then anyway. And then last week, I went down um, in the evening. I spoke at another church. Um, in fact, I st- it wasn't at a church building. I spoke at a Costa Coffee in Blue Water. Which, yeah, that was all right. Um, and it was the sort of finale of an alpha course, and it was only it was a smallish group, maybe fifteen people in the room. Some of them had already become Christians, and I was there to sort of mop up the rest, I guess. That was so. So I preached. <laughs> I preached for a response. Three people responded to the gospel that day. A mum, and in fact, her two daughters responded first, and then mum followed, which was fantastic as well. And also, just as a little aside, we in the room was a, a young lady who. W- some of you would know. I'm not going to name her now, but we met. We met her through um, her engagement with City Hope, and she's she moved down to Kent to be with her foster family, and she was there, and we had the privilege of just praying with her. I'm not saying she became a Christian at all, but she certainly, I'd say, moved on that journey towards Christ. So a great, just a great couple of events. But Jesus, I want more of those. Each of us can experience that, whether we're at work or at play, whether we're at home looking after kids, wh- whatever we're doing, we can see the power of God move on our family and our friends and our neighbours and our colleagues, on strangers we meet in the street as we extend the hand of kindness to them. It's very exciting. Be excited by this stuff. And it's all because he is risen. Yeah? So that's what we're going to celebrate this morning. We've heard it. We've heard the same thing essentially said over and over again. I'm going to say it over and over again a few more times. Because we should grasp the reality of this thing. That Christ who was dead and buried is alive forevermore. And the resurrection, you know, is the cornerstone of our faith. Our faith is founded on the belief that Jesus not only died on the cross, but that he rose from the dead. So the, the well-known words, we've, we've, we've heard um, the Luke version of, of this 
read, but let's read from Matthew's account of that Sunday morning. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Now these are Roman soldiers. <laughs> then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and he is gonna he going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And I love the women's response. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. You can't hear this stuff enough, can you? He is risen. The tomb is empty. Campbell Morgan, who was um, a famous preacher in, in Westminster, in fact, Westminster Chapel, he was Lloyd-Jones' predecessor, if you can think back that far. He said this, I love this quote, the resurrection is the most stupendous supernatural miracle that the world has ever known. It supersedes everything else because if he is not risen from the dead, then everything else collapses. Strong words, isn't it? It's not about Easter bunnies and chocolate eggs, is it? It's about an empty tomb, a risen Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said, just underlining those words from Campbell Morgan, tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Can you see the essential nature of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's integral. It's key. It's the, it's the, I've already said it's the cornerstone of our faith. The first sermon ever preached after Jesus went to heaven was Peter, the Apostle Peter at Pentecost, and it was a sermon essentially about the resurrection. He certainly highlighted that, and he, and he did right through, um, right through Scripture. The, the Bible's always talking about the resurrection. That sermon, Peter preaching, and he, he, he says, uh, let, me, let me read from, verse, from Acts chapter 2, verse 23. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross. He's preaching this. You nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its 
get. There we go. Pretty much everywhere the Apostle Paul preached, he, he preached the resurrection. In, in the letters of the New Testament, the resurrection is key to the claims that are made. The resurrection of Jesus is the Bible's greatest miracle and history's greatest fact. We've got to grasp this, haven't we? There's three things to remind us uh, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There could be loads of things, but I've just picked out three because that's what preachers are supposed to do. Firstly, Jesus rose bodily from the grave. Now, this may sound very obvious and a bit uh, so, so straightforward, I shouldn't even be saying this, but there are people who don't, uh, don't believe it. Even those who say they're believers don't believe it, although I think the Apostle Paul's came them, hasn't he, in that passage I read earlier. <laughs> when, when the believers first came to Jesus' tomb, his body wasn't there. It hadn't been stolen. That would have been impossible because of those guards outside. Matthew 27 says that there was a seal on the tomb as well. There was a, there was a, a, a wax seal with the governor's stamp on it. You, couldn't, you weren't allowed in there. You would have, if you broke that seal, you was in big, big trouble. You risked death for that. So there's a seal around it. Is, there's a guard outside. There's no, way, uh, there's no way the disciples... I mean, if you think the disciples wouldn't even stand with Jesus at his arrest and crucifixion, would it? Would they? They melted. They bottled it. They went away. They wouldn't risk their lives just to steal a dead body, would they? His body wasn't stolen. God had raised him from the dead. It wasn't his influence that lives on. It wasn't his spirit or the energy of Jesus that continues today. Right? But his actual body was resurrected. Listen to Jesus' own words in Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 24, he says, when he, he appeared to some of his followers, he says, look at my hands. He's like showing them the wounds. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. It, out of Jesus' own mouth, he was bodily, physically resurrected. Jesus rose from the grave, not as a spirit, not as a force, not as an energy, but a glorified body of flesh and blood. See, people would say that stuff. Yeah, well, Jesus does live on. He lives on in our hearts, doesn't he? And we, ha we have the influence of Christ amongst us. No, Jesus, who was dead, is alive forevermore. And we'll get to that in a moment. So he rose bodily. He rose eternally from the grave. Jesus wasn't the first person to be resurrected from the dead, wonderfully and amazingly, right? In the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha saw people raised from the dead. It, the Apostle Paul raised a young man from the dead who fell out of a window. I mean, it's the least he could do. The, Paul was preaching for hours and hours. The guy fell asleep, sat in a window, and fell out and died. I think, man, the least you could do is go and raise him back to life, isn't it? Right? Jesus also raised people from the dead himself. Right? Jairus' daughter, if you know that story, if you don't, go and read it before dinner. The widow's son... The widow at Nan, his mate, Lazarus. Lazarus come out. Do you remember that story? Lazarus who had been buried for days. He was stinking in the grave. His body was rotting and decomposing. But when Jesus spoke, Lazarus came 
back to life. But what separates Christ's resurrection is that all those others eventually died again. They eventually died again. They didn't live forever in that sense, bodily, right? Jesus is called the first fruit or the first of a great harvest of the resurrection, right? It says in 1 Corinthians 15, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest for all who have died. This isn't because he was the first to be raised, but because he was the first to be raised eternally, forever. Jesus came out of the grave alive forevermore. So, so he was raised bodily. He was raised eternally. How else was he raised? He was raised victoriously. He, Jesus rose victorious from the grave. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, death and the grave lost its sting. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your victory? That's what the Bible says. It says he came out of the grave with the keys of death and hell in his hands. I love the passage in, in Revelation. Let me read it to you. This, uh, of John's image of the risen Christ. He says, When I turned to see who was speaking to me, Jesus, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash around his chest, his head, and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. And he held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. There's a lot of symbolism there. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. So he's described as best he can, this risen Lord Jesus, a a glorious image of light and glory and wonder. And then he says, and this is understandable, I guess, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me. And he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. There's only one way to freedom. This Jesus is the only way. He said it himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father. Where's the Father? Well, he's everywhere, but he's heaven. No one goes to the Father except through me. It's only through Christ that we can find The Father, it's only through Christ Jesus, the risen Jesus, that we can find forgiveness of sin and freedom from death itself. And he states it over and over again right through Scripture. We've stated it over and over again in this room today because it's worth it. He is alive. The grave could not hold him. Death could not harm him. The stone couldn't, that big stone across the entrance of that tomb couldn't, darken the light of the world who who is Jesus and you know on the good Friday it all seemed to have gone horribly wrong for most of them they didn't believe him they couldn't remember what he said 
I mean, when those women, the angels spoke to the women, they were told, go, look, go and tell them, Jesus told you he was coming back. But <laughs> they forgot. On Good Friday, it seemed the message was that Christ had been defeated. We had such high hopes. We were there when he done all the miracles. He, he, he healed the sick and he, he, he walked on water, turned water into wine, he even affected the weather. He spoke, told, told a storm to stop and it stopped. We saw all this stuff. We were amazed at his preaching. I was there on the hillside when he was preaching to me and I thought it was going to be the one to rescue us from the Roman rule. And now, look, they've arrested him. I thought he was going to get away. They fixed him to a cross. I thought he was going to get down. He died and he's buried and he's in a tomb. Imagine how they felt. Their whole world unraveled. The hope they placed in Jesus the Messiah. It's all gone horribly wrong because we know the end of the story three days later we discover that the message hadn't been completed the resurrection reverses what people initially thought it wasn't Christ defeated it was Christ defeated the enemy the victory was complete the greatest fact of history is that empty tomb. You know, too often we can get caught up in the celebrations of Easter and I like a bit of chocolate as much as the next man. You know, the eggs and the bunnies and all the stuff, right? But this, here, this, is a, this is a quote. We mustn't forget what we're celebrating. I don't know who made this quote, but I liked it. We're not celebrating the coming of spring, but the resurrection of our king. We're not celebrating the coming of spring, but the resurrection of our king. He died for our sins and he was raised to life so that we could live forever. And because he lives, whatever tomorrow brings, we can face it head on because he's with us. If you're a follower of Jesus, he is with you. He promises to never leave you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, like Dan has already said, you desperately need to get on the right side of that line. His resurrection guarantees our own resurrection when he comes again. Now, as believers, death can never harm us because he's conquered it victoriously and eternally. I love it. I was sitting here, we're singing that, that old-fashioned song, Thank You, Jesus, and I'm weeping because he's done so much for us. He's done so much for us. We should be eternally grateful, shouldn't we? We should want to stand on rooftops and shout it out. To cry out, Jesus is alive. There's plenty of people who would disagree with you. Guess what? They're wrong. Don't matter. If you're the only person in your workplace and says the truth, then you're, that's the truth. Don't, you don't need a load of you at work or in your classroom or in your, on your college, or on your street. Listen, the truth is the truth, and this is the truth. I read a, a great little story about W.E. Sankster. Some of you may remember or even read some work of W.E. Sankster, who's a, a, a well-known Methodist uh, evangelist, really. Um, and he was loved by many. He was always out. He was reaching people. He was reaching some of the poorest and most broken in society. And in 1958, um, 
he contracted an incurable disease. I don't know what it was. I didn't read around it enough, mate. It, sound, it sounds like something like Parkinson's or something. But anyway, he slowly caused his muscles to waste away. And then this, this is what his daughter wrote about really his final days. Um, this is his daughter's words. She said, from dark despair, he battled through to triumphant ascent. He could still write. He'd lost, his, he'd lost the ability to speak even because of the wasting of the, of the muscles. He could still write. He would have more time for prayer. Let me stay in the struggle, Lord, he pleaded. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general, but just give me a regiment to lead. Against increasing limitations, he forced himself to work. Why, I'm only in the kindergarten of suffering, he answered sympathizers with his infectious joy. Gradually, his legs became useless and his voice, this is, this is his daughter writing, gradually his legs became useless and his voice, that melodious organ that had thrilled thousands, went completely. Speechless and helpless, he could still hold a pen. He was radiant. On and on he wrote, utter suffering, utter acceptance. His delight in my mother never faltered, nor she in her great courage. You are wonderful, he would write to her, his shaking hand. His pen, now his only means of communication. And on Easter Day, he wrote to me, she said, It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. He died in May 1959. His mortal body swallowed up by life. Heaven is his home, where we get a brand new body there and live forevermore with Jesus. Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to get the band back up to celebrate the wonder of Jesus' resurrection. Shall we stand together?